make or break springs for certain guys. Parker. Oh, boy. Well, there's a lot of guys there's, on there's this a, list. There's a very clear number one at the top of the list. You think so, huh? Yes, yes. There's someone on. uh, out there that's way more obvious than any of the rest. This particular guy needs to have a great spring if he hopes to play in the fall. Yes, and it's the same guy that's been number one on the list for the last three years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, we're going to cover that name, and I assure you we'll get to more names as well. But seriously, like I, I know that Brent Vittable said two weeks ago that everyone is starting with a blank canvas, and I believe him. Like I, I take him at his word on that. I, I think he's honest about that. So what you do this spring – you know, they're, they're not going to necessarily give you no chance going into fall camp, but some guys are going to have some leads in some position groups based on what happens in this spring portion. So let's get to the, some of the names that we're thinking of. First name I wrote down, uh, Marcus Major. Do you feel like this is a make-or-break spring for him? And where do you feel like he's currently at now to be on track to getting major carries in the fall. No May, pun intended. I, 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 I see what you did there. I, honest, I ran into that one on accident. <laughs> I'm not that talented. I did not mean to do that. Oh, man. Okay, so, yeah, I do think this is a make-or-break spring for Marcus Major, and I think the reason being is that if he doesn't make a statement this spring, if he doesn't prove that he is deserving of a share of the carries out of the backfield, he's going to start getting supplanted by the younger guys. And that's going to happen here in 2022. I can assure you it'll happen next year in 2023. You know how high I am on Javante Barnes. I think Javante Barnes is the type of guy that if Marcus Major doesn't put together the best spring he's ever had at the University of Oklahoma, Barnes is going to be at least number two on the depth chart. Yeah, you think Ethan Downs and Javante Barnes could play two against 11 and win five games yeah. in the Big 12 next year? Yeah, of course, you, you hate Ethan Downs, right? <laughs> yeah, You're the, right. Uh, yes. the president of the Ethan God. Downs hate club. You don't know how that happened yesterday. Um, but no, I I think Eric Gray doesn't really have anything to prove right? because we've seen what he can do at Tennessee. He accumulated 1,000-plus scrimmage yards in that abbreviated season at Tennessee in 2020 as a redshirt or as a true sophomore, excuse me. And then last year, he took a backseat to Kennedy Brooks, but anyone would have. We're talking about a surefire future NFL guy in Kennedy Brooks, a guy that is going to make a dent at the professional level out of the backfield. So Eric Gray is where the safe money lies if you're talking about who's going to have the biggest impact out of the backfield in 2022. But man, make no mistake about it. Javante Barnes is going to push for snaps, and that will come at the expense of Marcus Major much more so than Eric Gray because Eric Gray brings one thing to the table that Marcus Major really doesn't, and that is the ability to contribute in the pass game out of the backfield. That's true. Um, I do think Marcus Major, he can be maybe more of a violent runner when we're talking about going north and south than Eric Gray can. Like I, I think Marcus Major at his best – he could be a thumper, man. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, he's fast. He's not slow. I mean, he's a guy that is quick, and he puts the shoulder down, and he kind of he brings the boom there. And I, I think he brings that more than Eric Gray. So that's his, like, he's got to be physical running the ball, man. That's his opportunity to maybe, break through. Maybe he should move to edge because Miguel Chavis is all about violence, as Seriously. we know. Yeah. Um, by the way, I do agree with you that the smart money is on Eric Gray just because of what he's accomplished before. Yes. But knowing kind of what we know about the offseason, the the real smart money is on Eric Gray because it seems like if anyone has taken a you know big jump forward, at least in the weight room, 
it was it was the Tennessee transfer, Eric Gray. So I, I am sitting here right now thinking that the way things sit right now, we've got a long way to go. I feel pretty good he's going to be running back one, at least to start uh, the season this year. And I'd agree. I think – I mean, I think there were a lot of people that figured he was going to be RB1 heading into last season, and you weren't really sure what you were going to get with Kennedy Brooks and how quickly he was going to be able to shake off the rust after a year away from the game. But, needless to say, before long, Brooks proved that wasn't really a concern, and that did come at the expense of some touches for Eric Gray. All right, before we get to all the comments we have on the text line, uh, it is active right now. We appreciate that. Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. I'll do one on defense, Parker, and this was a guy that made maybe the most acrobatic defensive play I've ever seen in 2020, (laughs) thought that he was going to be a dude in 2021, take that next step. It just didn't happen last year for David Huebu. So is this a make-or-break spring for him? I I don't think so. I don't know that I would quantify it as a make-or-break spring just because – He's going to get snaps one way or another, whether that's at edge or whether that's at linebacker. He is the type of physical freak that's going to get a slice of the pie in Brent Venable's defense. He also has another year of eligibility after this one. So I know a lot of people have touted David Aguebu as the type of physical specimen that has a definite future at the NFL level, and there were some people that were talking him up as a potential first-round draft pick not too long ago. Obviously, I think that buzz has kind of diminished. But nonetheless, he's still a guy where if you're talking about his physical ceiling, it's as high as anybody sure, there's no on doubt. that entire roster. I Not everyone can make the play he did in Bedlam. No, in no in fact, very, very few people can make that play. So, look, there's a, there's a very decent chance David Aguebu has gone to the NFL after this season. And if he doesn't like where his stock is trending, he can always come back in 2023. So, no, I get where you're going. I don't know that I would completely quantify it as a make-or-break spring just because I do think he is poised to see a lot of action. I hope he's uh, heading to the NFL after this next year because that would tell me that he had a massive season. He had the season that we've been waiting on, and obviously you would like everyone to stay through out their entire eligibility, but I'll go ahead and take this year, man. You tell me that he's going to be good enough to, you know, forgo his last year and be an NFL draft pick? Sign me up for that, please. I'll be... Rooting for that defensively for uh, David Iwebu. On, on the text line, the first response, yes, was about Bray Walker. Bingo. We have been talking about him for three years. Former five-star. Um, it's just, it's never really come together. And maybe we're past the point of where it was ever going to be. But, again, everyone's starting with the blank canvas. You're not starting with the new offensive line coach, though. He's going to have to make some pretty big strides this spring to be, you know, be in that mix to be one of the starters, I think, going into next year. This is Bray Walker's fifth year of college football, Tyler. He is the last five-star offensive lineman that Oklahoma has signed. He is the most recent five-star offensive lineman that Bill Biedenboe has recruited and inked at the University of Oklahoma. He has not played anything that you would quantify as a meaningful snap. Not yet. In the four full seasons he's been here. So and, and, at this and, that's point, what's, and that's with some offensive lines the past couple of years where 
these are ones that you can break through. This isn't, you know, Cody Ford, Orlando Brown, Drew Samia, like NFL guys. There's been some offensive line the past couple of years where if you're a player, a good transfer, you're going to slide in and play. Yes, there have been a lot of questions, a lot of gaping holes at times. Uh, on the Sooners' offensive. We all remember the situation at guard before Chris Murray was oh, declared yeah. eligible in 2020. A lot of instability there. And so it just leaves you wondering, at what point is it going to gel for Bray Walker? And if it hasn't gelled already, how's it going to gel? And I think Bray Walker is one of the guys that we will be able to take as a case study on the effectiveness of the new Jerry Schmidt. right? The Jerry Schmidt that's coming off four years at A&M and is now coming full circle at Oklahoma. And the word is, he's changed quite a bit. Now, that that's not to say his workouts are any more or less demanding. I think you're still, at, at the core, you're still looking at the same Schmitty in terms of what he can do and what he will do for his players with regard to strength and conditioning. But I think in year one of the Schmitty era, in the workout room. Bray Walker is going to be one of those guys that you point to and say, okay, well, either Schmitty was able to unlock potential in that dude that nobody else could, or it just really was way too far gone for Bray Walker. He's also got to make the decision, though, and I'm sure there's the realization of, I mean, this this is it for me, man, when it comes to college football. I, yep. I, I've got to be all in this offseason if I want to have a chance to have a nice ending to – you know, what's been probably, I mean, not probably, what's been a disappointing career up to this point. So a lot of it's on him, too. And he's got the option to come back next year. Now, I I, I would tend to believe that if he doesn't see the field quite a bit this fall and it he doesn't break through at Oklahoma in 2022, he's probably playing next year somewhere else. Yeah, he was in the portal this offseason. He was in the portal this offseason, yes, and... Uh, from what I heard, there were not too many takers, which is understandable <laughs> because if you jump in the portal with little to no tape, there aren't going to be many takers. No doubt. So This one says Theo Weiss is the one, I think. If he dominates spring, he can spring up to be a leader of the receiving room. I'm not too worried. Like I had Theo Weiss's name written down. Actually, I didn't have his name written down. I'm not worried about him. Um, I think the question, Parker, isn't, is he going to see the field this year? I think it's more of where is he going to be in the pecking order of receptions this year. But I feel like Theo Weiss is is definitely going to see the field and see some opportunities next season. That that I, I don't really concern myself. No, with. absolutely not. I think he's penciled in as a starter, if I had to guess. And I know he's coming off that foot injury that cost him the entire 2021 season. But we're still talking about a former five-star recruit that was an impact player as a sophomore. Lest we forget... Theo Weiss did some really, really good things and was exceptionally consistent for Oklahoma in 2020 at the wide receiver position. So, yeah, I expect that we're going to see the same guy that we saw in 2020. I don't think – I have no reason to believe at this point just from observing him in practice and talking to people around him that he has lost a step post-injury. So I do expect he will be option number two in the passing game, second only to Marvin Mims. Necessary spring breakouts. Bray Walker, Bray Walker, and Bray Walker. That's a text. Parker thinks Javante Barnes is the next Adrian Peterson. Ha-ha. Uh, I think Javante Barnes could be the next – uh-oh, here well, we go. Big moment here. This I is the know. moment of the show. I, I, I got to figure out a good comparison. Uh -oh. I, I, I don't want to say DeMarco Murray oh, because, whoa! again, that is, that is an unfair Ooh. expectation to place on anybody. Man. But I do think if you take away 
No, there's a better comparison. There's a better comparison. The comparisons on this show the past two days, we've compared Ethan Downs to Dan Cody. Which I think is fair. Danny Stutzman to Rocky Kalmus, and now Javante Barnes to DeMarco Murray. Okay, here's here's the thing. No, I'm not comparing him to DeMarco Murray Mm. because I I don't want to place those lofty expectations on Barnes. AD is a little bit too lofty. I think DeMarco Murray is probably also a little bit too lofty just because those dudes are generational. I think in Javante Barnes, what you will get is 2017 Rodney Anderson. Well, I thought 2017 Rodney Anderson was the best running back in college football. Better than Bryce Love. Uh, really better than, again, better than Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were pretty good at the end of the 2017 season. We saw that up close and personal in the Rose Bowl. But for my money, man, that was the last time OU kind of had a feature back type of running game. Yes. And he is, you know, what I was talking about earlier with Marcus Major, like running downhill, he's a thumper, man. He's not afraid to hit you. He's got power. That's kind of what that's what Rodney Anderson was towards the tail end of that year, man. He could really, really do it all. So yeah, well, and if the height of his game is like that, 2017 Rodney Anderson, I'll, I'll let me go ahead. I'll, I'll take that, please. Yeah, but buy your stock on Javante Barnes now. Look, nobody is going to be Adrian Peterson. There is only one Adrian Peterson. He's not going to be DeMarco Murray just because I don't think he's going to get the volume that DeMarco Murray got over his four seasons in Norman. But I do think he is the type of guy, if my memory serves me correctly, Ronnie Anderson had 1,161 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns in 2017. I believe those numbers are correct. What could have been in 2018 if he stays Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that's the type of line that I think you'll be able to expect from Javante Barnes, not necessarily this year in 2022, as the committee appears to – appears as though it will consist of him and Eric Gray and Marcus Major. But once Javante Barnes is the guy in the backfield, and I do think that will happen as early as 2023, that's the type of stat line I think you're going to see from him on an annual basis. Uh, text line says one more before we hit a break. That Rodney Anderson uh, ran for over 100 yards against Georgia in the first half. I'll take it. Did he rush for over 200 against Georgia that day? Yeah, 201. Yeah, I thought he was over 200 yards. He was good and um, stopped giving him the football in the second half. Huh. Jet sweeps instead. And uh, speed options with the backup quarterback to the near side. But I'm over it. Nah, I'm, I'm clearly over the uh, offensive uh, play calling that happened in the latter stages of the Rose Bowl. That Not game, a big deal. That game's going to hurt for a long, long time, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to hurt this fan base for a long time. Keep the text coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Our buddy Travis Davidson joining us at 235 today. More Sooner football on the other side. Keep it locked in right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. That's right. No lame NBA talk here. We talk Sooners all day, every day. Keep the text coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. I had to, and I was laughing earlier today, Parker, because I was looking at some of the names that were still in the transfer portal. Uh-huh. Uh, O'Shawn Mathis is still there, which I'm surprised he hasn't well, made a decision I, So yet. he's finishing out the spring semester at TCU. That's why he's still there. JT Daniels had a visit to Oregon State a few weeks ago, but I don't think that he's formally picked a school just yet. He is not. And, uh, then, and then there's another name that – this won't surprise anyone, but it'll kind of make you chuckle. Kamar Wheaton, still uh, undecided <laughs> on where he's going to play. Apparently he oh, was on an uh, unofficial to SMU recently. 
Um, but <laughs> I, I'll say this much: that is kind of the expectation as to where he's going to end up. Is SMU, that yeah, yeah. Okay. close to home. Not, not. Tamar Wheaton's kind of a homebody. Yeah, well, not, not too shocking, but. God, that was a whole ordeal, man. That there, was a there are going to be some very talented guys that get lost in the portal vortex this offseason. Baylor Cup just entered the transfer portal from Texas A&M, former five-star tight end. Another former five-star recruit at Texas A&M, Demon Demas. Mm-hmm. He's in the transfer portal now too. <laughs> it's, it's almost as if Tyler. It's almost as if you can't buy culture. No, you can't. A&M's trying to buy a lot of things, but uh, they are not buying culture with all the money. And you can't really buy culture when you spend $8 million on a quarterback, Tennessee. Just saying. So, good luck to all the schools out there that are heavily using NIL. And, Parker, I will give some schools uh, a little bit of slack. I feel like some schools in recruiting do have to go all out on NIL. I think A&M's probably one of those schools. Tennessee might be one of those schools. I don't know how active Nebraska is going to be with NIL. Very. But Nebraska is probably going to have to be one of those schools that's going to go out, go all out on NIL. Um, but, yeah, your, your culture can suffer when, when you go about things yeah, that no, way. Yeah, no, Teddy and I have actually had a conversation about this, and he'll tell you the exact same thing. Nebraska is going to start playing the NIL game, and they're going to start playing it a lot. I think they that's have gonna to. be that's they gonna have, be that's gonna be their game. Like they're gonna be Texas A and M light. Yeah. It, it may be at the at the core, they don't want to be that. But at the same time, Parker, you have twenty years now of just being mediocre for the most part. They're, it's it's their only way, I think, at this point to ever get some some kind of footing in recruiting and some kind of hope for the future that they can turn things around. It's not maybe not ideal for Nebraska fans, but it's it's how it has to be. Now. I feel like we have a conversation about Nebraska once a week, whether it's you and me or me and Steely or me and Teddy. Just look, the reality is, I I won't get on my soapbox about Nebraska, but they need the right coach first. Yeah, and it's not Scott Frost. Hey, real quick on the Air Conver Solutions text line, this says, "Hey, I'm a 14 year old quarterback. I want to know how you think Dylan Gabriel will do in a bigger college." Well, the early signs so far have been, dare I say, Parker, about as good as you can hope because Cale Gundy's standing up there at the podium. The rest of the players are standing up there at the podium. And the feeling that I'm getting for those guys is, yeah, he walked in with instant credibility, instant respect. If there's a leader on this offense, even though Dylan Gabriel hasn't taken a snap yet at OU, it it looks it sounds like the entire team is looking at him like yeah he's he's our guy so yes he is he is very well liked you'll take in that. that locker room there is no question I don't think as to who this team belongs to and it's Dylan Gabriel he is the unquestioned leader I'm going to reserve judgment as far as how successful he's going to be until the fall because. Look, he's jumping into a Jeff Levy offense with better receiving weapons than he's ever had at his disposal in his collegiate career. So, yeah, the expectation is that he's going to be very productive at Oklahoma. That said, every beat reporter for every FBS institution all across the country is handing their quarterback the offseason Heisman right now. So I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself with Dylan Gabriel. The expectation, though, is that he's going to be very productive. You said what you said yesterday about Ethan Downs. Today, Javante Barnes, and you're holding back on Dylan Gabriel? 
No, I'm everyone's not, I'm not gonna think you hate, holding back. Everyone's gonna think you hate Dylan Gabriel now. You know no, how it, you know how it works. My no, expectation no, I think, is, I think, I, and I truly think this, honest to God. And you also have to look around, you know, kind of the room at Big Twelve quarterbacks. I think Dylan Gabriel will be the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. This yeah, year. and I, I would agree with that. If I had to project and I had to prognosticate, I would say he'll be the best quarterback in the Big Twelve, and he's probably good for four thousand ish yards and forty touchdowns. That's my expectation. But I don't want to. Basically, where I'm kind of drawing the line in the sand here is. I don't want to take the 20 total throws that I've seen Dylan Gabriel make at practice and crown him the next Heisman Trophy winner, mm. you know. So, we can we can draw conclusions and we can make predictions based on what we know about the situation, but I don't want to draw those conclusions and make those inferences based on a week of practice. I feel like I'm higher on Dylan Gabriel than you are. This this is the one that I have in my corners. We go through the season, you've got uh, Javonte Barnes and Ethan Down. We're going to kind of end up splitting the team. I think Parker. These are Parker's <laughs> guys, that, and these yeah. are Tyler's guys. Is that that's how we the, can the uh, we can have a fantasy draft in August before the season starts? Yeah, but I I expect big things from Dylan Gabriel. Sounds like OU expects really big things from Dylan Gabriel uh, as well. All right, before we get to uh, Travis Davidson coming up uh, next segment, LT Overton. It's it's been seventy two hours now. I'm not hearing any buzz about a commit or a silent commit. Text line is saying. Look, if he goes to A&M, it's about NIL, bar none. And maybe a whole lot hasn't changed uh, the past two days from what you've heard from the visit. But, again, man, the longer we go without hearing about a commit and the longer or the closer we get to the spring game without about hearing a cancellation, the, the better I feel about this thing. Look, this is not over. Don't let a couple of crystal ball predictions to A&M make you believe that this is over. I'm not saying he doesn't a- end up at A&M in the end. I'm not saying he's coming to Oklahoma. What I am saying is, I, I, I'll just say exactly what I have said for the last month plus ever since he reclassified Tyler. I know for a fact that OU is prepared to bring NIL into the picture for LT. They have made an offer to his brother. They are getting the final official Lebius and Micaiah are still OU legacies, the son of a former Sooner. There is a lot to be optimistic about with regard to Oklahoma. And that I- doesn't mean they're going to end up there, but it does mean that this race is not going to be decided until those two step on campus at Oklahoma, experience the spring game, and get the chance to interact with Brent Venables and this staff in their sure, new Sure, they're not going to go full-on NIL A&M style. No. But OU will be a player in NIL. They're just not going to be as big of a player as A&M or Nebraska. They're not going to offer $8 million uh, to a quarterback. And I'm glad. I, I don't want OU to go about things that way. I want them to be somewhere in the middle, Parker, of where, and that's where I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be active in NIL because you have to be. You can't just say, nope, you got a free scholarship, take it or leave it. You can't really approach things that way in recruiting anymore. You have to be active in it, but there's a certain way to go about things, and I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to operate somewhere in the middle instead of one extreme or the other. And again, my guess would be that that's exactly how they handle it. All right, Travis Davidson. Coming up next, we'll talk more Sooners. We'll talk more recruiting on the other side. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Oh, you know what time it is. Oh, yeah. I love this segment, man. I love it. Our buddy Travis Davidson joins us. 
creator of OU Rumors and News. You've seen it on social media before. Travis, what's going on, man? Uh, how did you like waking up Monday morning and seeing uh, five crystal balls put in by uh, Parker Thune? Man, uh, it, it, it was fantastic. I mean, I, you know, you, you have those big recruiting weekends, and, you know, you always wonder, you know, you hear, oh, all visits go well and this, that, and the other, but you never know how well. Um, so when you got guys like Parker and Brandon and those guys that are really talking to these kids, talking to their families, and then all of a sudden you see just a, a waterfall of crystal balls, you're like, oh, oh, it, it, it went real well, real well. So I was, uh, I was over the moon. Now, Travis, uh, I want to loop back to a conversation that we were having late last week. I think it might have been last Thursday, the day after we had you on last. But uh, it was a conversation we were having about just how much impact the OU fan base and their engagement on social media can have on recruiting and particularly as it pertains to NIL. So uh, I know we definitely have to kind of go with an abridged version here because I've heard the full version and it's extensive and it's detailed. But if you can, and as in as much as you can, kind of give us the cliff notes of what you're working on from a business venture perspective and how that factors into this whole conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, NIL obviously has changed the game. Um, in, in more ways than one. Uh, so what we're doing is trying to uh, put that in much as OU's favor as we can. So I've launched, uh, me and my partners have launched a new company where uh, we can rent out the social media followings and the audiences and that data to advertisers. So instead of having to go to photo shoots um, or to get into really uh, restrictive brand deals, or, you know, dividing the locker room or dividing the fan base or anything like that, we can just rent that, we can rent that audience to advertisers uh, so they can market more efficiently, more effectively, um, and the players can focus on their craft, they can focus on uh, their schoolwork, they can focus on their life uh, and building their brand uh, for years to come. So, yeah, really excited about this new direction. I actually just left a meeting um, uh, with, somebody in the recruiting department, I guess I, I, I shouldn't say who without uh, permission, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really trying to do the best I can to, to really turn uh, NIL, among others, uh, into a positive when it comes to recruiting for OU. He's Travis Davidson. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Travis Skoll, S-K-O-L. So the idea is, is that the athlete doesn't really have to mess with anything. You take care of everything, and the athlete is able to benefit off NIL opportunities from, from things that you handle in-house, essentially? Correct. We That's are awesome. the brokers of their data, so they don't have to lift a finger. I mean, once we, uh, once we have that one-step onboarding process, uh, we're then able to uh, handle all of that for them, and like I said, they can fo- they can keep the main thing the main thing. As uh, so, it's it's what coaches uh, want, what administrators want, what the athletes want, what the fans want. So uh, we saw the pitfalls of uh, certain um, athletes in the past, uh, uh, how it affected their brand negatively or affected their play negatively, maybe. Uh, so we wanted to wanted to fix that. So now, Travis, uh, kind of circling back around there. How does this have an impact, and what effect does it have on the fan base? How does it relate to the fan base's engagement on social media and the interaction that, you know, you see OU Twitter completely obliterating the engagement numbers of other fan bases when we see recruits tweeting about their offers or their visits. 
things of the like. So give us some context for just how much engagement from the fan base can factor into this whole picture. Uh, it's huge. Uh, it's really huge because when recruits see that, they see it in, in dollar signs, really, right? Because when when down the road they're selling their merch or they're selling whether it's NFTs or just jerseys, you know, you get a cut of that, anything like that, you know, those people that like those tweets, retweet those things, comment, things like that, you know, get excited for them about their offers. That's what recruits are seeing now. And, and I know you've talked to some recruits. I've talked to plenty of recruits about how what an impact OU Twitter has had and social media and things like that. I mean, it's pretty wild when you go down a top, you know, a, a, a blue chip recruits offers and whatnot, and you see, you know, 200 likes from another school, 300 likes from another, and then 2,000 likes from University of Oklahoma. They see that, and we're in the generation of social media. You know, that, that gets that serotonin going, and, uh, and yeah, that's going to translate the dollars down the road. Parker and I let off the show today, Travis, by talking about who this is a make-or-break spring for these particular guys. Mentioned Bray Walker, uh, Marcus Major, David Uwebu, and a few other guys. Like, what one particular player are you looking at this spring saying, all right, they, they got to have a really good spring. This is kind of their time, their moment to propel them to a lot of PT come come the fall. Yeah, I think you guys bring up a lot of great names. I mean, you kind of you kind of look at a kind of a new lease on life for a lot of these guys with the, with the blank slate they're starting over with with Venables. Um, a guy, uh, obviously, I'm a little biased. Uh, I know him pretty well. Jordan Kelly is a guy who I look at that was kind of lost on the depth chart a little bit. Had dealt with injuries, um, but has been there, been here a while, and uh, uh, he, he's he's looking great. You know, saying all the right things. Uh, really excited about the new defensive line. Uh, play calling and just the amount of plays they're like we went from having four or five formations to having 20 and you know it's really exciting these guys so i think we're um we're gonna see a lot of uh a lot of guys really pop and obviously um you know i'm just i'm excited to see to see dylan in this spring game there's no doubt about that what are your plans for the spring game travis you gonna be uh, cooking up some tomahawks outside of Ooh, let's go i hope so well um it sounds like, based on this meeting, the the Tomahawks will be returning to Norman. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right. But not, uh, but but not for the spring game. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm working on, uh, um, you know, we might I might hop on a podcast or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, I'll just uh, I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just a normal guy going to watch a little football. You know, just just excited to see kind of this new look offense and and whatnot. And, and I, I got a little uh, I got a little tidbit. OU fans will will probably like to hear. Um, so I'm in town right now, and we're going to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder game. We've got some some courtside seats that originally the Thunder had reached out and said, "Hey, could you get Dylan Gabriel here? We'd like to introduce him as the you know starting quarterback at the University of Oklahoma." They understand you know that, that that's a big deal for 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 their brand and for everything else. And as the Thunder uh, described it, if you start a quarterback at OU, you run the state's uh, football. So, anyways, we uh, we were talking to Dylan, and he said, you know what, uh, I want to focus 100% on football. Uh, I, I appreciate it. He had initially said, well, I really want to take as many teammates as I can, but he said he wants to focus on football. Uh, he appreciates the offer. So we're going to go down to the game tonight. But I just thought what a, what a refreshing reply, um, you know, to say, you know what, Instead of uh, going to a basketball game, having some fun, I just want to make sure that I'm spending time with 
my teammates. I'm spending time in the playbook, and uh, I'm making it very clear that this is a this is a business uh, business. I mean, we're 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 we got a lot of goals that we're setting out to accomplish. Geez, Parker, that reinforces my strategy to never talk NBA at the starting quarterback at OU doesn't even want to sit courtside at a Football Thunder Football guy. <laughs> Football guy. Dylan hey, Gabriel. Hey, uh, if uh, Travis is cooking up tomahawks again, I'm going to start the rumor that that's why they move Baker's uh, Heisman ceremony to halftime instead of the end of the game because uh, he's going to be serving up tomahawks to everyone in attendance at the spring game. After. <laughs> How about that? Can you pull that off? Hey, I'm uh, I'm I'm wearing. You'll you'll see it on social media here in a little bit. But I'm I'm wearing a shirt to the Thunder game tonight that just says uh, it's a black shirt with white letters that just says "Go to the Spring Game." So, <laughs> nice, uh, <laughs> nice. I love so that. I got a, I got a little custom shirt made because you know we gotta we gotta get people. Uh, you know, April 23rd, we gotta get them to that game. Travis, you can be as broad or as specific with this question as you want. But in an overall sense, how are you feeling about the state of recruiting for Brent Venables and this Oklahoma staff? I can I can honestly say I I haven't been this excited since I really started diving in uh, to the recruiting. I, I I truly haven't because I'm seeing both sides of the ball just just absolute stars. And I'm not even just talking recruiting stars, but stars. You look at their talent. You look at their personalities. You look at just everything about them. Uh, there's there's just been a seismic shift uh, in recruiting and and. Uh, and I know that's that's pretty broad, but uh, you know, I, I, I know I know my segment's not too long, so you know, I could go on forever about this. Hey, I got one last one for you before we get you out of here. I know you're a big OU softball fan as well. Um, oh, yeah. What do you think, man? Should they chase history and just roll for an undefeated season? Not that they're ever going to actively like try and lose a game or anything, but when you get the question of Hey Travis, do you think that this team needs to lose a game like last year against Georgia, or do you think that they should, you know, shoot for an undefeated season? Like, what's your response when people ask you that question? Yeah, I, I think we're in. I think it's rarefied air when we talk about this OU softball team in particular, because you know many people say, oh, they need a loss to you know to get that hunger going, get that maybe doubt in the team, that work harder, blah blah. Our, what, what other teams would consider losses, I consider we don't run rule them. Because most teams, their adversity, by definition, their adversity have been losses. Our softball team, by definition, their adversity has been when they don't run rule a team. So I will never be in the camp of, oh, we need that loss just to see how it feels. No. Just go out and win. Did did Jordan ever say, man, we need to lose some of these games in the finals just to really just tune us back up? We need to – no, like that's, that's never been a thing. If, if you're better, then, then go win. I say go chase history. they got enough talent to go chase history, and if they're able to do it, they'll be known as the greatest softball team to ever play the game. I, I, I think, I think, I think you, you can start it. getting into maybe some of the greatest college sports teams of yeah. all time, not just specifically softball when you look at what they've been able to accomplish and just how dominant they've been. I mean, you have to you have to put them in that pantheon of, of greatest collegiate or even sports teams ever. But yeah, you can't you can't be afraid of greatness. You can't be, you can't shy away from from greatness. I mean, I, I, and I don't think that they have to go undefeated to necessarily be in this conversation. But I don't know who's considered right now the greatest OU team of all time, regardless of sport. But does does anyone have any doubt that this team's going to be in consideration for that here in about three months? I, I feel like they're going to be right there. Has to be. Yeah. 
Hey, Travis Davidson, he joins us every single Wednesday at 235. As always, man, appreciate your time. Hey, thank you guys so much. I'll see you guys soon. There you go. Friend of the show, Travis Davidson, joining us. One final segment of Locked In coming up next. We'll get to your text on the Air Cover Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Final segment of Locked In with McComas and Thune right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. A few uh, recent crystal ball submissions to pass along. Samaj Burrell talked yesterday, but there's a ton on him right now to Texas. Yeah, there's a it's, lot. It's starting to look like that's a foregone conclusion. Uh, Derek LeBlanc, uh, he's got a Florida crystal ball in, as does mm. Peyton Kirkland. Mm. You a little bit iffy mm. on that one? Mm. I think OU has a lot better chance at Derek LeBlanc than most everyone would like to believe. Peyton Kirkland, it feels like that one's trending in Florida's direction. Certainly. You I'd be willing to acknowledge that. But I... I'm not so sure OU is, or I'm not so sure Florida's out of the woods uh, with OU on Derek LeBlanc. You still feel good about the five you put in on Monday, I guess it was? Yes. Feel great about those, as a matter of fact. Mm. Whoa, even better than you did on Monday? I mean, that's the, reason I, that's the reason I put them in, is because I felt wow, great about them. Okay. Uh, Josh Connerly still looking like a USC. Yeah, he'll, he'll be fighting on. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, I'm sure the entire country will, like, Cowherd doesn't care about recruiting at all, which is fine. I mean, whatever. But once that hits and he sees the number of stars, it'll be like, oh, the greatest commit ever in college football history. Just committed to USC. So Cowherd's going to be annoying again. We'll see how long it takes Benny Wiley to tank Josh Connerly's ceiling. Was there uh, some shade to Muleshoe earlier today from Kale Gundy? I don't think it was overt shade, but... The thing is, whenever anybody says something like that these days in praise of the new staff yeah. or comparing the old to the new, like everybody interprets it as shade at Muleshoe. Well, yeah, I don't think anyone is actively trying to throw shade, at least on the coaching staff. I'm trying to throw shade at the guy I feel like basically De- every day. I feel day. like if DeMarco Murray got the chance, he'd be the one to throw <laughs> some shade. Probably. And, you know, Kale, knowing Kale, being the program guy that he is, Maybe there was a little bit of an ulterior motive I in that comment. I, I still think they're just being honest, but by being honest, there is still some shade thrown, whether it's meant to be the case or not. Case in point, remember when Brent Venables a couple weeks ago said, I mean, if I've had one, I've had just a ton of guys come up to me and say, thank you for the structure. Thank you for the discipline. Now, he didn't say that to throw shade at Muleshoe per se, but Parker, that's like the most shade that you could possibly throw in that situation is to not try and do it, but say, oh my God, these guys around here are so thankful. They actually have structure and discipline around here. He didn't mean for it to sound like, I mean, you know, but we can look at it and say, oh God, there wasn't structure and discipline around here prior. My God, we were right. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait for the day that DeMarco Murray gets in front of the media because you know... You know one of the first questions he's going to be fielding is, what was your perspective on that whole situation? Because it's not any particular secret, right, that Muleshoe offered DeMarco a job at USC. It's not a secret that he wanted to bring DeMarco back out to the West Coast with him. And it's not a secret that he offered him a lot more money than he was making at OU. Unfortunately, for Muleshoe at least, DeMarco Murray is one of those guys that can't be bought has loyalty to Oklahoma, and has plenty of money in the bank from his days in the NFL. So 
couple extra hundred K, not really any skin off his nose. Yeah, well, he'd probably be that'd be a losing proposition for him out there, taking a hundred couple hundred grand more and trying to move out to LA. No thanks. Uh, real quick on the text line before we get out of here. Look, I know you guys find that answer by Dylan Gabriel valuable, but that's not special. His value and character should not be weighed by turning down Oklahoma City Thunder tickets. Well, I mean, he at least said that he wanted to take a lot of his teammates. And when that wasn't possible, he was just like, nah, I'm good. Like, I, I agree with the statement. Like, I, I'm not going to, you know, cite this as a reason as to why I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the Big 12 or he's the best fit to, to lead this offense. But it's, it was at least something interesting because I feel like most guys would be like, oh, God, yeah, let's, let's go. They're tanking? Who cares? I'll go sit courtside. <laughs> Football guy, Dylan Gabriel. No, there is uh, no doubt about that, that he is a football guy. All right, that'll do it for us as always. We appreciate all the text. We appreciate all the interaction. That'll do it for Parker. The Rush coming up next. You know what to do. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans.